Greetings, super friends. Welcome to yet another edition of Technically a Conversation. Here, we take turns sharing an interesting topic with each other, and that would normally be the case. However, much like the last one, we are going to tag team this one. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I'm one half of your hosts, Isela. Joining me as always is Jose. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I didn't know if I was going to build suspense. Who is it? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, wow, have I been replaced so quickly? Negative, negative. <laughs> Wanted to remind everybody about our very cool contest that's still going on, where we want you to help us grow our listener base, of course. This is very, very simple. It should take maybe a minute. If you could leave us a review, send us a screenshot to one of our socials, You'll find all the great details on technicallyaconversation.com for a chance to win your very own super sassy Technically a Conversation t-shirt. And a very big thank you to those who have already submitted a review. Yes, thank you very much, everybody. Now, before we get started, I do want to give some special shout outs to Elba, Erica, and Elena, the triple E, (laughs) the big E energy, (laughs) kind of quoting... Araña Grande a little bit on that one. Thank you very much, Super Friends, for helping to spread the word in your social media post. And if you want to get shouted out, share one of our posts or anything TAC related in your Instagram post or stories and tag us at greetings TAC. Thank you, ladies. We always appreciate you. Now, like you mentioned earlier, much like our last episode and this episode, we're activating protocol number 52. <laughs> this episode was suggested by super friend Adan. He actually recommended this topic a few months ago. I was originally thinking of waiting until October of next year, but it's a super fun topic and we thought we would tackle this one together. Yeah, I was really pumped when you told me about it. Thank you, Adan, for suggesting it. Yes, and Adan, you are the super friend of the week. (laughs) I love it. Now, we didn't have that cool sound effect last week. When Eli was our super friend of the week. So we'll give you a belated super friend of the week. (laughs) But this time it's Adan's turn because this week he's the super friend of the week. (laughs) All right. We're going to just keep it going, right? (laughs) That's all this show is, you guys. Just 12 more of those. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so you're ready to get started? I am ready, but I have two quick shout outs. Thank you to a couple of super friends that reached out, dropping a quick line about how much they enjoyed uh, a recent part of our recent Glow in the Dark episode. Noelle and Max, thank you both for your quick little lines about certain pieces that you guys enjoyed. I appreciate it always. Cool. Thank you very much. Yeah. Ready to get started? Absolutely. Great. Let's get started. So Isela, have you ever eaten human brains before? No, nor do I have any plans <laughs> to do so. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, we're not going to go into that. <laughs> the topic we're going to do today is zombies. And many people consider George A. Romero as being the father of the zombie genre. Hmm. 1968's Night of the Living Dead is a classic still loved and enjoyed today. But did you know that there was a zombie movie that came out before then? Oh. 
1932 to be exact. 1932? That's way before. That's wild. No, I did not know. This movie was actually called White Zombie and starred the legendary Bela Lugosi. This movie is also a more accurate portrayal of zombies. Real zombies. And I know what you're thinking, Isela. No, I haven't been taking hits with your boy Elon. There is some history behind it. All right, let's get into it. Now, the zombie myth can be traced back to Haiti and first appeared in the 17th and 18th century. According to a The Atlantic article titled The Tragic Forgotten History of Zombies by Mike Mariani, the zombie myth mirrored the horrific and miserable life that African slaves were subjected to under the French. They believed that death would release them back to Guinea or Africa in the afterlife, where they could be free. However, if they died by suicide, which was very common at the time for slaves, they wouldn't be allowed to return back to Guinea and would be condemned to roam the Española plantation for eternity. Oh, wow. Undead slaves denied their own body and yet trapped inside of them, soulless zombies. So after the Haitian Revolution of 1804 ended French colonialism, the zombie mythology became a part of Haitian folklore and eventually a part of the voodoo religion. As a result, the zombie evolved from being undead slaves condemned to roam the plantation for eternity to reanimated corpses brought to life by shamans and voodoo priests known as bokar. These zombies became slaves to the bokar and were now used as free labor or to carry out their nefarious deeds. Oh. This is a type of zombie depicted in the movie White Zombie. So do we have any evidence of real zombies existing? Let's examine one of the most famous cases, shall we? Yeah, definitely. So according to a How Stuff Works article titled How Zombies Work by Tracy V. Wilson, a man claiming to be Clarvius Narcissi, who died on May 2nd, 1962, appeared in a rural Haitian village in 1980. He stated that he recalled being conscious but paralyzed during his presumed death. He even remembered seeing a doctor cover his face with a sheet. <gasps> he claims that a bokor resurrected him and made him into a zombie. Since the hospital had documentation on Narcissi's illness and death, scientists began to view him as proof that Haitian zombies exist. He was able to answer questions about his family and childhood that no one could have possibly answered. Eventually, even his family agreed that he was a reanimated zombie. This news caught the attention of a Dr. Wade Davis who traveled to Haiti in the hopes of learning more about Haitian zombies. Have you ever heard of this doctor before, Isela? Never. Perhaps you might have heard of a little book that he wrote. I won't hold it against you if, if you haven't heard it. It's not very well known. It's called The Serpent and the Rainbow. Ever heard of that? I've heard of it, yes. I think they might have even made a little indie film based on it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, the reason that Davis was so interested in this case is because Dr. Nathan Klein theorized that there might have been a drug responsible for Narcissus' experience as a zombie, and he thought the drug could have medicinal uses especially in anesthesiology. So Klein sent Davis to investigate. Now, the article doesn't state the relationship between Davis and Klein, but it sounded like Davis was Klein's lackey. Klein's hope was that Davis could collect a sample of this drug 
it could be analyzed, and he could determine how it worked. So how do you think Davis's expedition went while he gallivanted all over Haiti? <laughs> I'm going to assume he probably didn't find a whole lot. It actually went surprisingly well. Ooh. Davis collected eight samples of this zombie powder from four different regions in Haiti. All of these zombie powders were made up of different ingredients, but seven out of the eight samples shared four common ingredients. Do you want to take a guess at what those ingredients are? You mentioned one during our Animals on Drugs podcast. Oh my God. I feel like I mentioned so many things on there. Oh gosh. Um, I have no idea. I mean, Animals on Drugs, there was so many things I listed. The first ingredient is tetrodotoxin, a deadly neurotoxin from pufferfish. Oh, okay. The second is a marine toad, which produces numerous toxic substances. The third one is a hyla tree frog, which secretes an irritating but not deadly substance. And the fourth one was human remains. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> now, the tetrodotoxin is what interested Davis, since there are documented cases of people ingesting tetrodotoxin and appearing to die, but eventually making a complete recovery. Davis theorized that this powder would be applied by a bokor to the skin of someone, creating irritation and breaks in the victim's skin. The tetrotoxin would then pass through the bloodstream, seemingly killing the victim. The family would then bury the victim, and the bokor would remove the body from the grave. If everything goes according to plan, the toxin would wear off, and the victim would seemingly come back to life, believing themselves to be a zombie. Simple enough, right? <laughs> No, that sounds super crazy. How much do they have to give them? And that's so wild that they would know dosage-wise. You know what I mean? Because it sounds like such a poisonous toxin. And then you're going to be all paralyzed. Just a little bit too much. Oops. <laughs> My bad. You know? <laughs> well, you're right. It wasn't that simple. Davis's research didn't pass scrutiny during peer review. Davis's ethics were brought into question as he observed the desecration of graves when gathering ingredients for the zombie powder, the samples contained little to no tetrodotoxin. Davis claims that putting the powder into a solution for testing might have destroyed the active ingredients. When used on rats, the topical application of the powder saw no effects. Davis had previously claimed that he witnessed the powder applied to monkeys and rats became immobile, but eventually recovered completely. And when several of the alleged zombies were studied, it was discovered that these zombies suffered from mental illness and mistaken identity. Was that mental illness afterwards? Because I could see if, for whatever reason, you do get paralyzed, your heart stops and your brain stops and you have zero, like, oxygen going through, then maybe your brain, like, kind of does a little something, you know, kind of like when you have a stroke. They didn't really talk about that in this article. They just said that when they studied a lot of these zombies, uh, there was a lot of mistaken identity. Like they were thinking that they were people that had previously died. A lot of these people suffer from mental illness. So maybe they thought they were zombies, but they were just mentally ill and in need of, of treatment that they were not receiving. Yeah, got it. Okay, cool. Does this prove that there are no such things as real Haitian zombies? That's unknown. But this particular study didn't do a lot to legitimize it. 
Kind of sad though, because this was the case that I was familiar with that I thought proved Haitian and voodoo zombies existed. But after looking at all the research, was very disappointed to learn that it didn't. But still super interesting that they would go and actually do all the, you know, the research and finding all those things in the blood, if that was even true, I guess, right? But I mean, I always had heard about like the voodoo and, you know, stuff like that, which I found really, really interesting to be perfectly honest. I mean, what kind of trance-like, you know, states they go into is something else. But yeah, I, I still thought that was pretty interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. But I would have wanted proof too. Definitely. Right. So I know you have some information to share. I do. What do you say we take a quick commercial break and then you can share away? Sounds perfect. In a time where trust is scarce and anxiety is high, count on the Daily Planet to provide you with up-to-the-minute news wherever you are. Our Pulitzer Prize-winning reporters ask all the hard questions, and our highly researched long-form exposés bring you all the facts to help you make an informed decision. We unveil the details on what's really going on behind the headlines, and our award-winning photographs come second to none. We cover everything in the greater metropolis area as well as world news, finance, sports, politics, and gossip to prepare you to be the most informed person in any room. Whenever a story happens, the planet gets it first and has it webbed and in print while the New York Times is still fishing for sources. Be sure to subscribe to keep your finger on the pulse of all current events. We're back. All right. Continuing on with the zombies. I was a little disappointed not to see you dance on that song, Isela. She sounds like she's at a funeral and it's a little tough. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little tough to dance to in the time with trying times. Or like, I can't remember what she said. Dude, first of all, can I shout out like our commercial lady is amazing. Yes. She does a very good job. She does. So unintended shout out, but. Hopefully it doesn't mean any less. <laughs> Thank you so much, Claudia, for all that you do. Absolutely. You weren't dancing either. What was up with that? I was doing a little bit of a slow waltz. Oh. Just <laughs> a little bit. It was a little homey. It was that little homey where you put your like hands in between your armpits. That little, like little baby chicken thing. Yeah, but I like to see you go a lot because when you get on the floor and you start doing the worm and then you... I started spinning on my head. You jump over your foot like hit and play. Oh, my God. For real, though, I used to be able to do that. I want to see that during the next commercial break. Negative. I, I don't think you heard me correctly. <laughs> I used to be able to do that. <laughs> anyway, back to zombies. One thing I want everyone to be aware of, zombie frogs. Yep, they're a thing. They're literally called zombie frogs. They were announced earlier this year. This is coming from an iNews article we'll have in the show notes. Coming from UK. Shout out to the UK people. The article talks about how a German team went to the Amazon rainforest and one of them heard a croak of a frog that he had never heard before. It was like sonic gold to him. <laughs> I'm sure. It was probably similar to what talent managers were thinking when they heard a young nine-year-old Christina Aguilera singing on Star Search. 
They're like, oh my God, gotta go find that. <laughs> so they started digging desperately through the mud because, of course, it's a rainforest. It's raining constantly. So they were digging through the mud. And this left the German team completely muddied and probably a little bit icky, right? Because they looked all muddy mud skipper style. This is actually the only reason why they're called zombie frogs. Mm. So very cool that they found a new species. But it was also a little bit sad for two reasons, really. They're endangered and they're not real zombies. Like, why are you going to give it that name, right? You sound super cute, though, especially when you call them muddy mud skippers. skippers. <laughs> I was talking about <laughs> the German team. <laughs> I'm sure that... Shout out Germany. I'm just going to continue shouting out. <laughs> Wasn't that a, a character in um, Ren and Stimpy? Did you ever watch Ren and Stimpy? Yes. It's a muddy mud skipper. I have those DVDs. of <laughs> the season DVDs. <laughs> yeah. I was a little bit let down with that particular piece, but hopefully this next piece... The second and the last item that I'm going to share is elevated a little bit more in intrigue. So coming in hot like a science missile, I'm here to tell you <laughs> that there really are real zombies and not just in title out there. Strangely enough, we're actually going to wander back into Frogville. This very cool information was taken from the National Wildlife Federation website. Search up wood frog. Although, now to think about it, Shouldn't this actually be called zombie frogs? But let me tell you why. They're found in the U.S., in the Alaskan forest, and in the northeast part of the U.S. Mainly, they've been found in smaller numbers in like Idaho, Alabama, these strange little places. These are the only frogs that happen to live north of the Arctic Circle. since Alaska's, you know, pretty high up there. And already we should start getting indications that clearly they would have to adapt some way to prevent themselves from freezing to death, right? The answer to this is like, yes, but no. So I don't, let's, let's dive into all this craziness. They actually do freeze. They literally freeze. They stop breathing. Their hearts do stop. Pretty much by all accounts, I would say it's dead. Do you agree? Yeah, sounds like me after Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> Your heart stops breathing. I mean, your heart stops and you stop breathing. <laughs> yep. All, all the water in their bodies are frozen, meaning if you dig it up and you try to bend their leg of this wood frog, it wouldn't move. It wouldn't make a noise. It would just simply like break. Shatter like in the movies. Yes. Kind of sad. According to the article in the LA Times, these frogs stay frozen. For seven months of the year, but they thaw out during the warmer weather and miraculously, like Lazarus, <laughs> their hearts start up again and they come back to life. This was completely mind-blowing. So it's like the David Blaine of frogs. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> yes, they are the David Blaine of frogs, for sure. So if you want to imagine these cute little frogsicles, the adults fit in the palm of your hand, and an adolescent frog can be about the size of your thumbnail, and they only live from four to six years. A little sad that they're not, but dude, can you imagine having a frog that does that? Four to six years seems kind of a long time, though, for a frog. And especially for four to six winters, it's going to be dead for seven months, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the article mentions that 
the two years that scientists were following a set of frogs, none of them died by freezing to death. Because, of course, I know I was definitely like one of them had to have like died by freezing to death. None of them. And they followed them for two winters. They believe it is attributed to the way in which they freeze. I know what you're thinking. It's probably like step one, temperature drops, and then they freeze. What else is there, right? <laughs> so let's think about it. Since we live in the desert, Jose, you already know how we wake up and it's pretty cold in the winter, but then it starts to warm up and, you know, you can kind of thaw out a little bit during the day and then temperature dips back. Same exact thing happens in Alaska. They start to go through this pattern of freezing for a little bit, but then during the day they'll warm up. This cycle of freezing and thawing helps the frog convert more of their glycogen that's stored in their liver into glucose. I know it sounds like all kind of nerdy and stuff. I'll, I'll completely try to help you understand why this is important. The high levels of glucose is actually what helps keep the frogs from getting frostbite. You and I would probably have like our toes, you know, lost if we kept them in the snow or something like that. I too consume large amounts of glucose though, so... Maybe I might fare a little bit better. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we got to start like getting your liver to convert all that stuff then. <laughs> My doctor's always amazed that I'm not diabetic. No. Hey, <laughs> but that's kind of cool. I don't know if you want to put that on a shirt. My doctor's amazed. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Frostbite happens when the water in our blood outside turns into ice. And then it starts to draw out the water in our individual cells. And this causes our cells to dehydrate and die. And then that's when it gets all black and gross and, you know, lovely. <laughs> but here is where this all makes a little more sense. Since the frogs have those high amounts of glucose and, you know, their cells are going to be very sweet and thick, it's going to be harder for the water to leave the cells. Isn't that crazy? That's very interesting. I found that to be super interesting. So we're leaving it on a high note as far as our education is concerned. And yes, zombies exist only in frogs. But how cool is that? That's very cool. I thought so. If you guys want to see a video, YouTube does have a very interesting one where they start to thaw out. And you see that they start like coming back to life. The freakiest shit ever. I know you guys are like me, a little sick and twisted. You're going to go check it out. You should. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put a link in the show notes. For sure. We wanted to end it on a couple of reviews. We got a five-star review. Thank you from our super friend, Noel. He titled it, Things That Make You Go, Hmm. Great podcast. In today's information overload society, it's refreshing to hear about things that are worth knowing. Bloodbath. La Llorona, glow-in-the-dark pigs, and in parentheses, he shared, as a teen, yes, I had glow-in-the-dark condoms. <laughs> <laughs> in my huge podcast library, yours is a must-listen. Also, where is the gothic nightclub? <laughs> Thank you so much, Noel. Yeah, we're actually going to talk about the gothic nightclub in just a bit. Yes. But I kind of teased you while we were preparing for the show, said I got a couple of reviews here. Actually, it turns out we're in iTunes twice for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> this is strange. 
Yeah, so somewhere out there, there's like a ghost uh, iTunes RSS feed that none of us ever tracked because it's not like the official one. But we got a review there. So we got a five-star review. It's from Genalpez. It says, great info, entertaining. Jose and Isela are entertaining and educational. Funny and silly in the best kind of ways. Yay. That's a very nice review. Thank you so much, Gentle gentle Pez, like P-E-Z? Gentle Pez, J-E-N-A-L-P-Z. Oh, that's, that's Jenny. Yeah, I recognize her name from our Instagram. Yes, Jenny. Thank you so much, Jennifer. We appreciate it. Yay, Jenny. And we got another review here. This one was actually on our Facebook page. It's a review by Lee. She recommended our Facebook page. And we never really said whether we would take them. I say we take them for the contest. What do you say? I totally agree. Lee definitely deserves it. So her review and her recommendation is very fun and fascinating stuff. The hosts have great chemistry and superb radio voices, (laughs) which makes listening that much better. So thank you so much, Lee, for that amazing review. Thank you, Lee. I wish my voice was a little bit better, but I will work on that. Maybe I'll start doing like an NPR voice like this. (laughs) (laughs) All you have to do is get really close to the microphone so that your voice sounds real sexy. This always reminds me of the SNL sketch about her sweaty balls. Do you remember that? (laughs) No. (laughs) That's so funny. You got to look at him. Anyway. And before we end this bad boy, we asked you on Instagram to ask us a question. We got two questions. So special shout out to Irene and your soup Ken. And the questions they both wanted to know is how <laughs> you and I met. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't quick enough to the soundboard. That's okay. <laughs> I think this is the same question that was also in the review that I read. Where is this gothic nightclub? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Well, sadly, this gothic nightclub doesn't exist anymore. What? It used to be downtown. I think it's like Monarch or something now. You're such a a liar. I'm like, what? (laughs) But yeah, that's the way that Isela and I met. We were actually at this gothic nightclub and her and I were fighting over glow sticks and uh, almost oh, 10 yeah. years later, I'm surprised she still tolerates me. She hasn't, uh, <laughs> she hasn't gotten sick and tired of me like most of my friends have. <laughs> no, that's not true. So we can tell the real story. Uh, it was about 10 years ago. Yes. And this will be the only place that we'll ever tell the real story. Yes. Our other podcasts might have different origin stories just for comedic purposes. But you super friends that listen to this podcast... Mm-hmm. are going to know the real story. And this is the only time we're going to tell it. Right. I feel like this is when you get like a CD. I don't know if you remember CDs. If you remember CDs, sometimes they would have like bonus hidden tracks at the end and they would have like five minutes of just silence. This is like that little treasure at the end. I don't know how important that is, but yeah, it's a treasure for two people. <laughs> <laughs> and anybody else that has wondered. Yeah, it's a little less exciting than the gothic nightclub i mean essentially it was at a park in central it was a big giant barbecue we all gathered around a bunch of strangers pretty much no actually you and i met before then wait did we yeah we met first oh yeah yeah 
I'll tell you the way that I remember, and then you can like fact check me or, and tell me the way that you remember. Could spend ten years, so I'm sure our memories are very different. <laughs> but the way that I remember us meeting, and I think you'll agree, is that we ended up meeting on Google Plus. Oh yeah, for sure. I remember like we would always post music stuff, and that was like one of the things that we had in common. And I think I had posted a, a song from Aaron McCarley. Aaron McCarley, that's right. And you had told me, oh my God, I saw her on- um, <laughs> On a cruise. On a cruise, yeah. I saw yeah. her on a cruise. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's what sparked the conversation between you and I. Yeah. We started talking about all kinds of different music and everything. And then I remember like out of the blue, because we, we also, we, we had talked about art. We had talked about a lot of different things. Right. You had told me, hey, they have a Diego Rivera exhibit at the art museum. Do you want to go? Yes. And like for me, like I'm actually very shy. Like for me, even doing a podcast is something that I never imagined that. Well, I did a podcast like back in the early 2000s. It was a wrestling podcast. It's not on the internet anymore, so you, you can't find it. Right. But I'm usually pretty shy. So this, you know, when she told me, I, I, I was kind of... You were hesitant. It's okay. You could say it. Not, not hesitant, but like it, it was something that I would not have done. But you were like, yeah, let's go to the Diego Rivera exhibit and everything. I was like, okay, I'm going to meet like this total stranger for all I know. She could be like catfishing me and <laughs> it's like some dude that's going to be <laughs> murdering what? me or something. <laughs> you had such high hopes. <laughs> well, again, I'm just a very anxious person. I'm very shy, very reserved. But that's what I remember. That was the first time you and I ever meeting was at that art museum. And we ended up hanging out for a while. Yeah. And then... That's when you invited me to that cookout. That's right. So I think that cookout was like the following week. And that was like the second time that you and I met and hung out and everything. That's right. I completely forgot about the museum. But I do remember before meeting or I guess before seeing you IRL, right? <laughs> um, I do remember the post about Aaron McCarley. And I got super like I, I totally nerded out because... Nobody had heard of her except for one other friend, Adana, and she loved her too. And other than that, nobody else could share in my admiration for this really great <laughs> artist. I was like, oh my God, nobody knows her. So when you posted it, I was like, oh, my friend, I don't even know you, but you're going to be my friend. <laughs> and I think we had like a huge conversation back and forth just about that. I don't know how the Google Plus anymore had like replies and stuff like that. I'm sure we probably made that thread super long, but it started out with that. Yeah. I think that thread was super long. And since there were like a lot of people that had commented on there, I think somebody said, hey, you guys can talk like in private and um, like Hangouts, Google Hangouts or whatever. <gasps> and I was like, yeah, it's a great idea. Let me send you like an invite or whatever. <laughs> and I remember, I still remember you, you weren't able to get in for some reason. Um, so I was like, oh, did you update the app? You went to your app updates or whatever, and you're like, oh, I have like 69 uh, <laughs> pending updates. Oh, that's right. And I was like, update the Google Plus. So you updated it, and then that's how we started talking more. Right. I don't know if I had that many <laughs> updates to do, but I know I needed to do that one for sure. Also, everyone, uh, it should not be any mystery that I am very technically challenged. So again, this is a very symbiotic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so when you told me to upgrade that, and then it was like all these like messages were waiting. I was like, I don't even know these people. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and not that I knew you, but at least we had interacted and we had like, you know. We had established rapport. Yeah, but these other people, I was like, who the hell are you? Like, your mama don't even know you. Get out of here. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yes, so that is the story, guys. But yeah, you're right. No, I think everybody got invited to the barbecue. And you were like, are you going? And I was like, yeah, I'm going. Let's go. No, because I, I didn't even talk to Jaime. You didn't talk to Jaime? No, I, at that point, I didn't talk to Jaime. He was the one that was organizing it. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't even know that person existed. Mm. So I think you told me about it. And I was like, yeah, no, I don't know if I'll go because, you know, I don't know this person. And, you know, he didn't invite me. You're like, screw it. I'm inviting you. Yeah. I was like, okay. So I think you tagged me on that post. And, you know, that's how I got associated with everybody else. And Yeah. Yeah, it was a fun little group for a while. Yeah, it definitely was. And then there were two. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, Jen, too. The Jenster. The Jenster. Although you knew Jenster f- since before then. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, yeah. We, are, we go back like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there you go, guys. You heard it here first. And just nothing but chuckles after that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it is very symbiotic, aside from me um, offering you a lot of tech support. <laughs> yeah. You also forced me to go outside of my comfort zone a lot. So I do appreciate that because usually we end up having a ton of fun. As we mentioned on the podcast, we've taken a bunch of road trips together. Yes. And, you know, it was it's all things that I probably would not have done. So I do appreciate that. And again, thank you for not uh, abandoning me like most of my other friends have. <laughs> <laughs> no, I appreciate you always being, at least you consider my like tonterias sometimes. You know, I'm like, let's just go, like, let's go get curly fries in the middle of the night. Yep. True story. We were recording (laughs) some videos this weekend. I think we were down to like our last three videos. We had one more left. I think it was, what, 9 p.m. I was like, screw it. Let's go get some. I don't know why. I was very, I was just very snacky. Yeah, that happens. And you were totally down. You're like, let's go. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. All right. So since we're actually ending on a high note this time. Yeah. (laughs) Since you said our curly fries. (laughs) Yeah, since you said curly fries. (laughs) Take us home, Isela. As always, we hope you enjoyed the show and you join us again next week. If you are enjoying the show, and hopefully you are, please leave us a review, tell a friend, and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all the socials at greetings TAC. Email us at greetings TAC at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 915-317-6669. If you have a story to share with us. <laughs> <laughs> we got to take it to a dirty end. <laughs> Damn, I don't have anything cute to say at the end. Oh, that's okay. The little whistle was enough. 